Okay, we are recording. Are we live? We're live. Here we are. Live is the day we were born. I mean... <laughs> live from Seattle. It's the critical path with Mary and Jason. Here we go. We did it. We made it. Uh, all right, you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's, let's do, it. do it. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more, even though maybe right now you're working at home. Well, and this is episode 52, getting ready to go back to work, so folks aren't quite back at work yet. I know yeah. a lot of people are working in their offices kind of secretly, or if they're owners or stakeholders, they might have access to, to work at, at their, their office. Yeah. I'm going to call this episode Hitting the Ground Running. Hitting the Ground Running. I yeah, like that. It's good. Yeah. Because we're all ready to run. Let's do it. So uh, there, there's a, a bit of background behind this episode and a little bit about why it took so long to get to this point. So if you're a listener, you know we've been a little quiet. We, and busy. Well, and busy, yes. Uh, but we have not been cutting podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, some of that is because this is a really challenging time to run something like a podcast. So the whole reason why we run this series is for the purpose of providing value, uh, helping, giving advice, uh, providing some, some real meaningful support to people when they really need it. And we're in a very unique place where that can be difficult to do. It is extremely hard to keep moving forward right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there is this perception that I think everybody feels it and knows it when you see that email come through to your, we saw one today where someone was trying to sell us hand sanitizer. Right. That's right? what I, that's, I'm, I'm just in the market to buy a whole ton of hand sanitizer right now. And it feels like this idea that you put out there that, oh, there are like seven helpful tips mm -hmm. and then everything will be better and you'll feel normal. Five and, cool tricks. And that's top 10 ways to ignore the pandemic. Yeah. And that's ridiculous because right now, whatever it is you're feeling, maybe you're feeling productive and things are good. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, if you're feeling like you're in a fog or like you're stressed or like you half the time don't know what day of the week it is. Your kids are driving you crazy. Or like you really, really need your kids to go back to school or their <laughs> friends' houses. All of those things, if you're feeling those things and they're getting in your way, then we wanted to express to you that we are feeling those things too. There was one, one post that went viral, is it Twitter? Where the guy said, uh, if you, your whole life, you've spent your, your, your life, mm -hmm. uh, waiting for the opportunity to, to what, evoke your will, do your thing. If you've said for your whole life that the only problem is that you don't have time to learn to play the guitar or to pick up a new hobby and you still haven't done it at the end of quarantine, then the problem wasn't time. The problem was you. And that's ridiculous because this is not normal time. This is not vacation time. Uh, another thing that we kind of bounced around the idea about talking about was homeschooling tips. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people are trying to homeschool their kids right now. And I did it successfully for many years. Yeah. So we were a kind of expert homeschoolers by this mm -hmm. point. Our kids are 15 and 17. And uh, much of their education was provided via homeschool. With, with custom curriculum and, and, and custom we, engagement. And we were part of a huge homeschool community mm -hmm. and we know a lot about how to make that work. So even right now, it's super tough for us 
to be successful on that front because there is so much happening in the world. And Gowan was actively successfully homeschooling when quarantine hit. Mm-hmm. He was he was doing so well and everything was going so well and we had our rhythm and really none of that should have changed. But the truth is kids are different right now just like we're different right now. So the point of this is everybody's struggling. I mean, if you're not, that's great and I hope that you're not. But yeah. if you're struggling, most of us are struggling. But the problem is we didn't want to do a whole episode about why this is so hard <laughs> and why it sucks and why there's really nothing you can do about it. Right. But the truth is I don't think there's anything we can tell you mm-hmm. that's going to change the way that you feel right now. We all have to just stick together and pause and wait. And, and like when Tom Petty says, the waiting is the hardest the part. The waiting is the hardest part. There is some bit of this that is just waiting, just waiting it out uh, that, that we can't change this overnight or, or just make magic this away. So we do need to make it to the other side. And we are holding our forum with ABC every week to try to provide some tangible support on that front. Uh, and this week, upcoming week, we're going to be talking about mental health and and making sure that some folks have access to uh, some auxiliary support if they need it. But it can be really tough to provide value. And we try to, to uh, keep the podcast light and keep it energetic and keep it moving forward, productive. But during this time, it can be really tough to do. So, so in all of our conversations, we kept kind of coming back to that piece of what could we offer that's actually going to make a difference? And what we finally came to was the answer is pre-construction. Pre-construction. So as of right now in Washington state, the current stay-at-home order ends allegedly on May 4th. It doesn't necessarily mean that it won't be extended or changed or what have you. And I just read this morning that Governor Inslee said it is unlikely that mm-hmm. they will actually lift the order on May 4th. Yeah. However, one of the... Mary asked me, what should we be thinking about in this in this point in time as we're looking at that lifted order in the face? And I think the most important part that we should be thinking about is there are many companies that have projects that are, are looming, that are mm-hmm. out there, that are signed up, that will happen. They're poised and they're going to start running as soon as we open the the industry up again. So many companies and, and many teams have been kind of just floating through this void, trying to sort out what the new normal is and, and how to operate. It's critically important, though, that we don't forget about those projects that are right around the corner. We need to make sure that we have our teams in place. We need to make sure that we focus on pre-construction and make the most use of this time. So while there is an excusable delay that comes along with the pandemic, all of the delay associated with procurement doesn't necessarily fit into that bucket. So it's critically important that that if on May 4th or whatever day that gets lifted, that we've already started the process of procurement, that we've already started the process of, of pushing those materials and that design review forward. And the biggest reason for this, I mean, there's liability that we're protecting ourselves from for delay. But the biggest reason for it is that all of that work that we could be doing remotely, all of the design review, all of the uh, analysis and scheduling, uh, all the planning that we could put together, all of that stuff is billable. But I think 
it's hard because procurement is complicated Mm -hmm. because on the one hand, you know, I know the point that you're making is we aren't excused to not start ordering materials until May 4th Mm -hmm. because we could have working remotely started that procurement process. However, uh, don't you think there are probably places where the supply chain is interrupted where we can't procure that stuff or things are going to take much Mm -hmm. longer because uh, all of the shipping providers Mm -hmm. are prioritizing medical equipment. Absolutely. But However, when you look at the procurement process, there is the design review process, there is the submittal and approval process. We're just doing shop drawings and and changing cut sheets. We're looking at data sheets and then we're approving those things. Mm -hmm. That whole leg of the trip is likely unaffected by procurement uh, holdups. And in fact, I suppose if we're kind of sending back and forth submittals and mm-hmm. communicating with the owners of the projects mm-hmm. or the owner's reps or whoever we're communicating with, that could even be comforting for mm-hmm. them to see that the project is continuing to move behind the scenes. Yep. It could could help with some of that tension. So then you get to the supply chain piece where it may or may not be impacted. We don't necessarily know that until we actually talk to the suppliers. But there, we, we should make sure that we make the best use of this time, get through that pre-construction process, that procurement process, so that when this is lifted, we have done everything in our power to keep our projects and our work moving forward. One, that, that prevents liability from people believing that we were the cause of that delay. And two, that also helps to move cash and keep our businesses fed as we're moving through this time, because it is meaningful work. And I I think that that there's a sentiment in construction where we just kind of group pre-construction and and planning in together with the cost of the work, cost of the project. However, if you think about the amount of management and amount of planning that goes into any construction project, I would say roughly in the neighborhood of 10 to 20% of all construction projects, that cost, 10 to 20% of the project, is that management planning coordination cost. So of the people that you have worked with and mm-hmm. from what you've seen, how many construction companies, what percent of construction companies are actually billing this cost out front, getting that money ahead of time, as opposed to just having that be part of their normal billing process after work starts? So a lot of the larger GCs do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the larger, more sophisticated subcontractors do that. But you have some of the, the mid-size or smaller GCs or the mid-size smaller subcontractors who don't necessarily know that that is doable. A that thing that they can allowable. do. Yeah. So right now, if we have a project that hasn't started yet, it could be easy for it to be in our head. Like, well, that's no money until we're not getting we any money back up. Yeah, until we actually complete 30 days of work six months down the road. Right. But the truth is we could actually have our people working away on pre-construction and start billing for pre-construction, yeah. which helps us pay our people during all of this. Mm-hmm. So that could be a huge help to people. So if we have a million dollar project, just putting this into to tangible terms, a million dollar project, you could easily have $200,000 of planning and construction costs, the, the planning and management cost, $200,000 out of a million dollars that would be allocated to management and pre-construction. So is this something you think that, uh, I know that a concern likely that people would voice would mm-hmm. be that there would be pushback on it. Is it likely that they'll get pushed back if they try to do that? So it does have to do with the sophistication of the owner. Mm-hmm. However, uh, when you when you look at the amount of time that you spend on mm-hmm. this process, 
if you pose the question and say, do you really want me to not plan our work? Right. Do you really want us to not spend time mm-hmm. ordering and procuring the material? Should we not be thinking about our safety plans and our scheduling? Should mm-hmm. we not be lining out our subs? Well, and another truth, I suppose, is me remembering your time as a project manager. Mm-hmm. There was always that concern, even in normal economy, where you were worried that your subcontractors would go under. Oh, yeah. So from that perspective, if you're billing your pre-construction time and they can see that, A, the project is still moving, yeah. B, you're ready to go, and C, this is a way for them to try to help make sure that you stay afloat mm-hmm. so that you can still do the project in the way that you planned, mm-hmm. all of those things could really be to your benefit. So if we look at the the rough pre-construction numbers, if we say that management planning is 20% of the project, so that's 200,000 out of a million dollars. Then we look at how much work goes into starting the project. The the analysis or the uh, analogy that I use here is to start a construction project is similar to pushing a boulder up a hill. It takes a huge amount of effort, especially with the project management team and superintendent team, to push that boulder up the hill. And then once you get it to the top, it starts to build some momentum and it almost carries itself. And the more concerted effort that you've put in properly up front, Mm -hmm. the lighter it is to carry for the remainder of the project. I've also seen the other side of that, where now the boulder is running uncontrollably down the other side of the hill. And you're just trying to keep people from Mm -hmm. getting crushed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But if you look at the amount of effort that it takes to push that boulder up the hill, again, I would say 80% of of project management effort goes into pushing the boulder up the hill Mm -hmm. for the whole project. So essentially, by the time you have people on site starting work, my argument is that you get 80%, you should be able to bill 80% of 20% of the project. Right, yeah. Right, so in our in our $200,000 uh, comparison, that's $160,000 that you could arguably bill for. Mm-hmm. Before, the moment that you set foot on, on the project, you can put in a bill for 160 grand on a million dollars. Right. And it's not taking advantage of, of the situation, it is just documenting and capturing the cost that you're putting into the project. Well, and in your from your perspective then, this is not just taking advantage of COVID because this is how we should always do this. It's how we should always do it, but especially right now. Mm-hmm. And I think a critical piece here is that there, there's a feeling like, well, you know, it's, it's just not the way it's done. Or uh, mm-hmm. they're going to say no, or they're mm-hmm. going to reject it. More often than not, the worst case scenario is that they'll say, well, you know what, we're not going to give you 160, but we'll approve 80. Yep. Right. So now we have $80,000 mm-hmm. in cash for work that we've performed that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. So, so it can get money in your pocket. Mm-hmm. It doesn't damage the relationship right. because even if they should say no across mm-hmm. the board, that doesn't mean you're not going to work together. You'll work it out like yep. you do everything. Yep. So it gives you money in your pocket. It gives your people something to do. Mm-hmm. And it sets you up because... I think there is going to be some panic when everything opens back up again, then we're going to go from all sitting still to go, 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 go Mm -hmm. all at once. All at once. So if we're all planned and prepared and poised, then we're going to reduce because there's going to be chaos no matter what. There's going to be some chaos. This is if if we compared it to someone yelling fire inside of a movie theater. (laughs) If anybody remembers movie theaters out there, apparently that's the first (laughs) thing we're going to open, whatever. Uh, So... If we're sitting in a movie theater and someone yells, it walks in and yells fire, mm-hmm. everybody's going to jump up and everybody's going to trample each other to get out. That's just human nature. It's what we do. 
However, if going into the movie theater, we mm-hmm. said at, at this time, we're going to walk in and we're going to tell you that there's a fire. And this is how we're going to consciously, carefully evacuate. This is like fire drills in elementary it's school. It's exactly like fire drills in, in elementary school. And so the point here is that we know that this day is coming. We don't know exactly what day it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But that day will come where someone runs in and yells fire. And everybody's just going to get up and and run screaming. Start running because because the projects are all behind. Because our people all need to get back to work. Because we need cash. There's going to be this huge sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. So everything we can do to have everything planned and prepared for us is going to make this a lot easier and and a lot less likely to overwhelm us in chaos. Every action that you take, especially in construction, should, should generate as little heat and light as humanly possible. Not to mention, when we talk about the new normal, Mm -hmm. no one can know what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. But one of the very distinct possibilities is that we may have some stops and starts, Mm -hmm. which means we may get rolling. With with regard to lockdowns. Yes, Yes. with regard to stay home orders. So what is a possibility is that we get up, we get rolling, we find that that curve starts to spike again, and we have everyone go home again. Mm And then we pause for another couple of weeks and then we start rolling back out. And a process like that, without any kind of planning behind you, that could be really destructive Mm -hmm. to our process. And so it's important that we run, we have a proper pre-construction process that we're using when we go through uh, this this era, especially. We should use a smart pre-construction process Every day, mm-hmm. uh, not just now, but it's especially important because we know that someone's going to come in and yell fire. Yep. So we need to be prepared for that. And some things that we can be doing is, number one, making sure that our construction teams have access to the construction documents. If we're mm-hmm. getting ready to start a project, make sure that everybody has had time individually to go through the drawings, go through the specifications, go through uh, supporting design documents, and make sure that we generate that shared list of questions that we have. Well, but so I think them having time to review that stuff individually is really important. Yes. But that's that's step one. That's step one. Got yes. it. Step so one. Step one. I, I won't spoil it. No. Nope. <laughs> step one is making sure that everybody has had time individually to to work through that process. Step two is then we come back together and then we review that together and share our observations. Mm-hmm. And we can absolutely do that using Zoom mm-hmm. or Teams yeah. now that everybody's gotten nice and comfortable with how to do that yeah and actually in our art of war construction series tactical document review that's the purpose of that session is to help people go through that process Mm -hmm. if they're not comfortable doing that themselves or if they haven't just been successful at it in the past uh, so we can add some additional firepower there yeah that's absolutely something we can help people get through remotely especially because if you've never done it before doing it remotely for the first time can be challenging another layer of difficulty so don't so, hesitate to give us a call yeah. if you need help so we go through that that construction design because no design is perfect mm-hmm. and then we've generated our list of questions and then we break it out into categories so we identify which ones which questions are showstoppers which mm-hmm. ones are big deals that we need to make sure that we run down with the designers and with the owner step to the, the second category is which questions are questions that are lower priority that we can we can process at a slower rate. Uh, and then the third are what, what are questions that we think we can handle internally that, mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily need to send upstream, but they're mm-hmm. just things that we need to keep our fingers on. So then if you had this list, whether it's in something like Excel or, or in OneNote, whatever, OneNote, yeah, yeah wherever you're keeping, yeah, Teams, wherever you're keeping this list, 
then you could basically assign a priority level yep. to every one of these questions, which would be, uh, which would be emergency level, mm-hmm. uh, when, when we get to it level, or internal solutions yep. level. And then we basically process all of those RFIs, process all those questions. We start creating our procurement process. So then we go through our specification and make sure we're pulling out all of the required submittals for the project, make sure that we have that master list and we understand what are all of the individual products and and design pieces that we'll have to provide to our customers for verification and make sure, again, we prioritize those so that if we have any questions associated with that, we've addressed those. But then we're creating that procurement log so that we understand when all of those those documents have to be submitted and we understand that full life cycle of the supply chain. Well, and yeah, I was just going to say, because we may have some extra time right now, Mm -hmm. this could also be a good time to start maybe putting out some feelers and try to get a feel for when we go back, Mm -hmm. because we have a feel for how long it's going to take for a lot of those things to to happen Mm -hmm. that might be different now or might not. Windows, stereotypically, if we're talking about like a residential multifamily window, it can take six to eight weeks pretty comfortably Mm -hmm. depending on, on the product. Now, what does it look like? Right. Right. And this is something you could be reaching out to Mm -hmm. your contacts, to suppliers and just put some time and energy into when things open back up, how long should I expect this to take? Because that could be information that you could then have at, at your fingertips for your customer. So in, in the normal operation of projects, I will look at it. I'll, I'll hyper-focus on my long lead items. I'll look at the things that are stereotypically difficult to get. These are things like tower cranes mm-hmm. and light fixtures and wall covering. They're things that, that have limited uh, sources that mm-hmm. we can go to to get the material. For new projects, I would be reevaluating everything and make sure that we don't have a secret long lead item that mm-hmm. we're not aware of. Well, and keeping in mind, too, things like uh, PPE are mm-hmm. going to be different now. Yeah. So we don't know what we're going to need when we open back up. But it would make sense to do everything in our power to get our hands on. I know we had a lot of people who were looking for the uh, no-touch thermometers mm-hmm. so that when things open back up, they can be able to... These are just what the infrared... Yeah, yeah. so that they can basically keep tabs on making sure everyone's healthy mm-hmm. on their job sites. Yep. So things like this. And this is an important piece of that whole supply chain conversation is three months ago, six months ago, you could decide you wanted two gallons of hand sanitizer and have it maybe the same day on mm-hmm. your front porch. Mm-hmm. However, over time, that that has changed. I think now it's getting more accessible again. But in the same way, who knows how the accessibility of anything is going to change. Well, and I, I think another piece to be considering right now is that anytime you have that, that situation where somebody yells fire and everybody reacts all at the same time, that has unintended consequences. And like everyone buying all the toilet paper? Like everybody buying toilet paper, <laughs> like everybody buying sanitizer. Yep. Like all of those those things that we don't even necessarily think about, we just take for granted. Mm-hmm. When, when someone comes in and Jay Inslee says fire and we're all allowed to get up and run out of the theater, mm-hmm. what are those products, what are those materials that everybody's going to go to first? Mm-hmm. Because the supply chains, again, will be choked Uh, because Mm -hmm. they're not anticipating that level of reaction. So think about your projects in that context. And and I would suggest at this point that we think in the bigger picture that 
when there are things that will be needed that, and again, I mean, right now we're kind of working that out anyway, but like if we're talking about N95 masks, mm-hmm. let's try to make sure that we're keeping that stuff available to mm-hmm. the places where it's actually needed even more than we need it. Yep. But when it comes to materials for our projects, this is a free for all. So if it you is. can get ahead of everyone else. Well, but you can. And so that's, that's where we're going to go. That's what I'm just getting yeah. at. I'm saying there's no harm mm-hmm. in trying to get ahead of the other mm-hmm. companies. And that's a different thing than trying to jump in front of, say, the hospitals in line for the N95. Sure, masks. sure, sure. Yeah. So, but when it comes to construction material, and then when, when we yell fire, we all start back to work all at once, there's going to be a, a shortage of several materials that we took for granted yes up to this point so again we need our full list of of materials that we need to complete the project and what i'd recommend doing is reaching out to your material suppliers if they're still open Mm -hmm. and and giving them your material orders for those projects Mm -hmm. and seeing if they can pull together your order for that project and basically either either setting it aside or or putting it in a storage unit Mm -hmm. somehow separating it so that when that project starts then you can actually move forward on it. There's a, a process that, that's used in construction that is basically uh, stored materials. So the owner has the option to pay for stored materials mm-hmm. ahead of time. This is traditionally only used when we're concerned about inflation, uh, escalation. Mm-hmm. So if we think the price of copper is going to go way up, yep. then we can basically buy it now and let the owner pay to store that material. Yep. Or if there's something that is really tough to get our hands on, let's say a big shipment from China, we're mm-hmm. going to start that process. We're going to get it here stateside. And then we have to pay for that mm-hmm. so that the, the subcontractor or general contractor is not carrying the cost of that material. Right. So there's a process that we can go through. But what that does is that breaks out, breaks off that that financial obligation, the the supplier and the subcontractor and general contractor all get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So we're not carrying that cost and we actually collected some of the profit for the procurement of that material. Right. So again, more cash and we're reducing risk. Yep. So go through your procurement list, make sure that you understand where all of those items are at that you're gonna to need to finish the job and then make sure that you take steps to procure that do that in concert with your customer to make sure that they're willing to put in cash to pay for it mm-hmm. uh, so that everyone's risk is decreased in that process. And again, you know, this is an interesting kind of counterbalance because all of these things that we do that maybe are generating more cost for the owner, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're showing the owner right here and right now when things are still crazy that we are looking out for their project. Yeah. And so I feel like we are communicating things that are going to make us look better to them, make us look like we're on top of things, mm-hmm. and make them feel more at ease that their project is is still going to move forward. Yeah. So it's especially critical right now that we're building these projects either virtually or we're building them in our heads before we actually get out to site. We need to make sure that we're thinking about all the steps that it takes to complete these things from start to finish. So one of the the lessons that I learned when I was learning how to be a project engineer for uh, Lise Kretcher Lewis, a senior PM explained it to me this way. So he was he was a wicked old guy when I was working for him. And still rode his bike to work still, every day. <laughs> every day. Uh, but, but he was an awesome mentor. And when, when I was trying to figure out what does a project engineer do on a construction project, the way he explained it to me was when he was learning that role, he was a young project engineer and he was working for a superintendent in Alaska. The, the 
catch for working in Alaska is that they would receive ships, they would receive boats and material every six months. So This was before the days of Amazon. That's right. And, <laughs> and ground shipping and air shipping and, and what have you. They would get two boats per year. So the way that the superintendent, a grizzled old superintendent, explained it to him was when he's working on the project, he's facing forward and, and working on the job, putting materials into place. And then when the superintendent turns around to grab the next piece, he needs to have the piece there. The PE does. Right. The, well, so the superintendent yes. needs to have access to the piece, the materials, and he needs to know how to put it into place. Mm -hmm. That is the project engineer's job, is to make sure that the material is there and all of the details are sorted out. Mm -hmm. and, and the pinch is that if you miss something, you're waiting six months to for the next boat actually actually uh, get it right. So you can't have any mistakes. So this the micro, situation, the microcosm of this is this is you and me building IKEA furniture. <laughs> How, oh yeah, yeah, right. Because yeah. when you want the next piece, then I have to have the instructions and hand you the hardware. Yeah, and now let's say the the scale of of severity if we miss something is a little bit less well there. except we're usually building it at midnight sure. like if you think about when we're putting together ikea furniture it's midnight and if we're missing something <laughs> then we have to wait until the next day to go to home depot right <laughs> but i would recommend that in this process when someone jay is going to come in and yell fire and we're all going to stand up and start working again immediately um I would think about your projects right now with the mindset that, let's say we're working on that Alaska project. What are all of the concerns? What are all the materials? What are all the questions that we have related to that project? We should be asking and processing and billing for all of those things right now. Mm -hmm. So that when March 6th, I'm sorry, May 6th comes, May when 4th. May 4th comes, when that that stay-at-home order is released, we all stand up calmly, and we get back to work. Well, we all know what we're doing and where we're going. Yeah. So the next piece of this is while we're, while we're working through our pre-construction process, we should be thinking about doing our best to anticipate what that new normal might look like. So mm -hmm. we already talked a little about it in terms of procurement and uh, making sure that we're taking any opportunity we get to procure the right PPE mm -hmm. so that we're prepared. We have masks in case yep. we need that, uh, that we're thinking about, you know, uh, one really great piece of advice we got on the forum was someone said, okay, we have essential projects and we're installing windows mm -hmm. and we need, you know, two, three guys how to do we, lift How do we these. lift these? And, and, uh, and maintain six foot distance. Yeah. How do we maintain that physical distance? Because chances are when we go back, we will initially still be under some physical distancing. Mm -hmm. We will initially still be under some like no more than 10 people in one place kind of rules. Yep. So uh, we want to be thinking about how can we be prepared for that? So the advice that Tony from ABC gave is maybe there's some kind of a lift you mm -hmm. could use. Some kind of hoist that we could rig to the roofing or the parapet. So the truth is, while that was a super out of the box and great idea, by the time we open back up, Tony's probably not the only one who will have had that is, idea. Is there a run on that kind of equipment? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if that's something that we can prepare for, we want to just think about everything that if, if we imagine that when we go back to work, initially, we're going to be under very similar conditions to the ones we were working under right before we stopped. Yeah, not the same. 
But no, right before we stopped. Oh, you're talking right, right. Like because we we did start. Yeah, we started yeah. the distancing mm-hmm. and we started the the limitations. If if the conditions look just like that when mm-hmm. we go back, what would we need to be able to do our work? All those things that in those last couple of days of work we were like, well, if we had this lift, well, if we had this thing, yep. those are the things you if want to think about now, yep. so that you can have those things on day one. Mm-hmm. Number one, so that you're not hindered by not having them. Yep. But number two, if you need it. Chances are you're not the only one who needs it, and chances are a lot of people need it. And when we get out of this and and we're clear of this this acute situation with COVID, because it'll come back and it'll be part of, of life in the future. Uh, but when we get through this spate of it, there are going to be a lot of owners, project owners, developers, who are going to be looking around and realizing the amount of money that they lost mm-hmm. in this situation. Uh, and they're going to come looking for that money. So it's critically important that we have a, a locked down understanding of all of our procurement items and we can document when things were held up or delayed for each one of those procurement items, mm-hmm. which ones caused what delay, right? And if we don't capture that information at that point in time, then it's going to be very difficult to make a convincing case for a judge or to the owner about why we're not the, the ones at fault. Yep. Right. The, the court systems are going to look as busy as the hand sanitizer vendors just did. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so just be in a good position, provide good customer service, and, and you'll be okay. So any other tips about being successful at pre-construction? Man, I could have a whole series. We could have a whole series about pre-construction well, by itself. We but, might, yeah. because we're going to have to find stuff to talk about over the next few weeks here. So if you have any particular topics that you are interested in, feel free to reach out, email, uh, message, message us on LinkedIn, join us on the weekly forum with ABC. Uh, we are rolling out remote training for folks. So we have converted eight of our sessions from Art of War and Working Control into uh, online sessions. So those have been going really well. And if you have interest in, in catching one of those, let us know. Yeah. And even like we talked about, we're doing stuff like helping people with blueprint reading mm-hmm. and with digital prints because a lot of people are used to looking at paper prints. paper, yeah. and now they're having to learn to figure out digital stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of that stuff. If you hit a point and you're you don't know how to do it, mm-hmm. give us a call because yeah. we're helping people with a lot of things remotely right now that aren't part of our normal mm-hmm. process, but we're just kind of helping however we can. And, uh, and we're, even if we're not the ones that, that actually provide the support, we know lots of people who, who can provide that support. So we'll yeah. get you plugged in wherever you need to go. And we're also making a lot of uh, different arrangements in terms of being paid. You mm-hmm. know, we're trying to keep our lights on too, but uh, if you need help and, and you're worried about the cost, give us a call and we'll talk about how we can work it out. Yeah. What so else? You can find us. You can find us at www.arcadewayfinding.com. And our site is all shiny and new. We yep. built a brand new site. So if you haven't seen it yet, it looks very nice. Check it out. Yeah, I got the podcast in a new home. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us with ABC on our weekly forum. Yep. You can every Thursday at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about mental health this coming Thursday. You can find us on LinkedIn. Jason Sturgeon, Mary Sturgeon, Arcade Wayfinding. Yep. On Twitter, Arcade Wayfinder. Uh, you can find us at our home office. <laughs> you probably don't want to come here. <laughs> we have we have dogs that are driving us crazy now, and you, you don't want. You can find us walking that. with our our. Uh, 
mandated walks that we take every day with it's our kids true. and dogs. One o'clock and five o'clock. And go. you can find us on Sunday, Thursday. Oh yeah, Sunday, Thursday. <laughs> at the ice cream shop. Yeah, so we have an ice cream shop that we go to and they sell what it's called, Shugs. Yeah, right. Shugs. And there's one that I guess has been for a long time in Pike Place. Mm -hmm. It's like a fixture there. But they were just opening up their West Seattle shop yeah. when the quarantine hit. And so they... I think it's Thursday through Saturday or something. Yeah, Thursday will, through Saturday, two they, to five. Yeah, they will sell ice cream kits, so you can you can go to their location in West Seattle, and they'll sell you ice cream kits, and they have homemade marshmallows and all kinds of cool stuff that Brownies, fixins that go with it. Brownies, and yeah. hot fudge. And then you take all that stuff home and you, you make that for your family. And the funny thing is that every Thursday now we'll go, and we call it Sunday Thursday because every day the days have kind of lost meaning a little bit so yeah what day is today i'm not quite sure but we do know when sunday thursday well, is and then we had the conversation that our fridays have been really quiet so mm -hmm. we said thursday is almost like the beginning of the weekend <laughs> so we said sunday thursday is actually like friday there you go who knows what it day makes it is. sense so you can find us trying to figure out what day it is yeah i don't know that we have a lot of outtakes and we certainly don't have a jet pack yeah jet I, pack would be sunday thursday yeah, okay, Sunday, Thursday is the jetpack. Actually, they said they may start using that. Yeah. So if they do, then we'll put it up because we'll be really proud Shug's of it. Shug's Ice Cream, Sunday, Thursday. Yeah, go check out Sunday, Thursday. Check it out. Um, yeah, so that's the jetpack, but uh, we'll see if we have any outtakes. Very good. Watch for it. Watch for it. It's exciting. My leg is completely asleep. These are the worst chairs. <laughs> you didn't need a leg anyway. I Apparently not. I mean, we're working remotely anyway, so... Worst chairs ever. So what do we got left? Oh, so I'm on at one. Good. We need to do an episode on all of the horrible chairs that people are having to work from right now. Can we, we, just, can we, we actually, just talk about chairs right now? Yeah, we actually had a contest on uh, Jetpack of who had the worst chair. And, and who won? I don't know. Jason Lang had an Ikea chair that looked pretty rough. He posted a picture. He was the only one who posted a picture, though. Yeah, so. but it was like an isolated picture of his chair. It was like yeah. a whole chair picture. It was a chair picture. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, send us your chair pictures. Yeah, how about it? We want to, <laughs> we want to see your chair pictures. You don't want to see our chairs. They're terrible. No, they actually don't look bad, like, from the neck up, you know? They just put your legs to sleep when you sit in them. Our chairs are actually not wearing any pants. <laughs> it's true. They're, like, totally bottom. Totally no pants, no pants on the chairs. Nope, no way. Inappropriate. Yeah, love it. Not safe for work. No, NSF. <laughs> Pantsless chairs. That's another good jetpack. It is. Pantsless chairs. All right, we'll leave it to you. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs>